Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Praise the Lord. So um, I, I want to share something very quick and very powerful with you. As simple as this is, it's going to change your life. Listen, I already had a sermon, and just in the short distance between where I'm staying and this place, the Lord changed my sermon, and um, well, we live ready, and we're going to flow. There's something very important I want to share with you. So one more time, the theme of this camp meeting is Solideo Gloria, right? And it means to the glory of God alone. And... At the first meeting in Port Harcourt, I told you that the Hebrew word for glory is covered. And that covered simply means respect or heaviness or weightiness. That which makes you respectable. That's what covered means. So, in the school of glory, one of the first things you must learn is the weightiness of God. As simple as that is. You learn not to treat God common. You learn not to treat the word of God common. Do you understand what I just said? The weightiness. And because the holiness of God and the glory of God are synonymous, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with his glory. So they are synonymous. He's glorious in holiness. That's what the holiness of God is. I told you holiness means to be unique, separate from what is common. In that definition is moral excellence, but it's not limited to moral excellence alone. And that's why a mount can be holy, a mountain. Mount Sinai is called the holy mount. It doesn't mean the mount is trying not to sin, trying not to lie. It's not capable of doing so. But it can be called holy mount because God spoke from it. So it, it's not common anymore. And so God can tell Moses, take off your sandal. Because the place where you are is a holy ground. As, in, as simple as that is, that is, is very important. So as you begin to learn about this, you learn the sacredness of the things of God. When God calls anything holy, it must be treated as such. Otherwise, there will be serious problem. When he separates some utensils, I know they look like the things in your dining, the table of shoe bread, 
and all those things. But guess what? They are not for drinking. They are not for eating. They are for the Lord. They are holy. They are separate. And so because Israel has sinned against God, and so Babylon is permitted to conquer Israel, you, the Babylonian king, you go a step further to show disdain for the Lord. After all, you are so powerful, so influential, and you are having a party. You want to entertain your girlfriends, and the cups you have are not enough. You say, go and bring the cups that were taken from the temple in Jerusalem. And they bring the cups, you put wine in it, you are drinking. And they are playing music. And just as you are doing like this, you know. <laughs> you see, there are only two times that the handwriting of God was seen. In the giving of the law and on the wall of that belt. <laughs> you know, he saw a hand writing many take care of us. He didn't have the gift of interpretation, but he knew, I'm undone. This is so important. He says, you, the meaning is you have been weighed, measured, and found one, found one thing. Since you have not reckoned the weightiness of God, you have been weighed. Because if you treat it as common, it means you are greater. So if you are weighed and you are found lesser, then there's trouble. This is so serious. One of the most important things you can learn as a growing Christian, let me tell you something. It's just a sense of honor for the things of God. Begin to value what we call consecration. The things that God has set apart, treat them as set apart. The people that God has set apart, treat them as set apart. It's very important. I want to read to you a text. Turn your Bibles, Hebrews 12. I'll first of all read this to you. I will tell you what I thought it meant. And I will tell you what I know it means now. From verse 18, Hebrews 12, a very popular text. He says, for you are not come to a mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of trumpet and the voice of words, the voice, which voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it was to be stoned or thrust with the dart. <laughs> and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Listen, I will tell you what I thought it meant before. I thought this meant, well, in the Old Testament, it was so scary, but not anymore. Why in the New Testament? Yay. 
It means the opposite. Now, this is why you shouldn't read chapters in isolation. There's a flow of thoughts. Go to chapter 2, see what he said. Let's read chapter 2 from verse 1 and see if there is anything to learn. For in chapter 2, from verse 1, he says, Therefore, we ought to give more earnest heed. Can you say more earnest heed? It says, more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. It says, for if the words spoken by angels were steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? Do you get the ideology? So all the glory of the Old Testament, that was... By the medium of angels, the words spoken by angels were steadfast, then we ought to give the more earnest heed. So when he's describing the darkness and the tempest in the Old Testament, this is the difference. He's saying all of that happened on the mountain. But now, how much more now? We are come to Mount Zion. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you realize that every time we gather together, heaven kisses earth. We are come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the general assembly and church, not, of, not just of celebration church, but of the firstborn. That we have an audience that is beyond this. And then he said to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, let me tell you this. Every time I have the opportunity to be present when any of my students are preaching, you will hear them say things like, oh, I'm so nervous. I don't really like teaching when you are there. You know, so sometimes on purpose, I like to just give them space, maybe sit at the gallery, because if I sit in front, Maybe my honest, you know, my simple reaction, you'll be, you'll be really meaning to it. Ah, what did I say wrong? But when you think of it as a pastor, that Jesus hears every single sermon you preach. Every single sermon. That our gathering, in our gathering, our gathering is always to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And then there are always an innumerable company of angels. I know we take attendance every service. We have never gotten the attendance right. Not once. Because if you count only the human beings, you were wrong. Paul says, I bow my knees to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. There are more people on the roster than we see. There is more to our gathering than meets the eye. Innumerable company of angels. And then to paint a big picture of the sacredness of our gathering, it says to a blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Because everyone, make no mistake, yeah, the blood of Jesus speaks Mercy. But don't forget, 
This is the condemnation. Anyone who doesn't believe in that blood, the efficacy of that blood is condemned already. Listen, we think we understand soteriology just by understanding John 3.16. You need to read verse 17. You need to read verse 18. That's the dividing line. That's what determines who will be judged and who will not. The blood. So you have to understand there are two sides of the coin. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus by making manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. He says to some it's a savor of life unto life. To others a savor of death unto death. If you don't receive the message, you are judged. Sacredness. You know very little of glory if you come to a gathering like this and you act anyhow. So you see, when we look at the Old Testament, thank God, you know, that perfect love has cast out fear, but it should help us see the seriousness of the privileges that we have in Christ. That, you know what, the instruction God gave them was, before you come to the mountain, he said, wash your clothes. I get what I'm saying. This is why everything we do must be informed from the word of God, not from culture. There are some things that shouldn't be done in church. Let me tell you this. Let me first explain so you don't get me wrong. We had a get-together in Lagos. Sunday afternoon after service, we had a comedian. We had the time of our lives. But guess what? When we have service, let's not joke around. We must be careful of everything that we present. On this stage, you don't bring a comedian. I have many of them as friends. There is time for everything. Are you listening to me? There's time for everything. Our songs should not just be just vibes. You know, where do you think you are? See, let me, let me tell you something. The opposite of... Lightness. Don't be light. Don't be petty. You see, some of us, we don't even know a good service. We don't know a good church service. We don't know a good sermon. We think as long as we have fun, we enjoyed ourselves. Then the service will, ah, how was church? I danced. Ah. You might be in trouble. You might literally be drinking wine with cups meant for the temple. Hallelujah. I know it is true that we are the temple of God. And I'm coming to that individually. But guess what? We are the temple of God collectively too. Do you know both are true in the word of God? 
we must descend the Lord's body. I believe there is a way you shouldn't dress to church. I hope you still love me. Yeah, I'm your pastor forever. (laughs) I believe so. Listen, let me tell you something. And this, this is what defines spiritual maturity. Anything you will not do if you saw Jesus sitting physically. Don't do in church. Because guess what? He's there whether you see him or not. He's there. So now, this is mind renewal. This is discipleship in the word. It says we are come to Mount Zion. Whether I see it or not, all I see is this event hall. But it says, every of our meeting takes place in heaven. <laughs> we ascend. We leave what is common. We ascend to a terrestrial, extraterrestrial, celestial realm. With physical beings and spiritual beings present. That's the nature of our gathering. Innumerable company of angels. General assembly and church of the firstborn. Unto the Lord shall the gathering of the people be. Say loud amen. Amen. That's a consciousness. Our gathering is unto the Lord. When you have that as top of mind, you are learning to honor the glory of God. When it is time to pray, pray. That simple thing I just said, you are learning to honor the glory of God. When the word of God is being taught, try to keep your phone aside. See, abominate lightness when it is time for fellowship. Abominate it. Did you hear what I said? And now you now think of the fact that all the things you read of in the Old Testament were both types and shadows of the real temple of God. It should make you scared. That when God was reacting to how Belteshazzar treated the utensils in the Old Testament temple, he knew that that temple was but a type and shadow of the real temple of God. Yet, he responded in such a sharp, vehement manner. This is what the writer of Hebrews was trying to tell you. See, if those words were steadfast, we ought to give the most more earnest heed. Are you getting the idea? So now, we are the temple of God. Listen, that's why the Lord says, in his word, we must, we must descend the Lord's body. It doesn't matter how many worship songs you sing here. If you are not nice to the person by your side, you have missed the whole point. You have missed the whole point. It matters how you treat a Christian. Ha! Ah. 
Are you listening to me? Everything you do to a child of God, God takes personal. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not the, the, the guy said, who are you? I've never met you before. Me persecute you? I've not, I promise you, I've not seen it before. He introduced himself. He said, my name is Jesus. It is me you are persecuting. Many will ask on that day, ah, ah, you say I was naked. I didn't, uh, you were naked. I didn't give you clothes. When? <laughs> are you listening to me? When? And he will say, as long as you didn't do it to the least of this, you didn't do it to me. This is, listen, I'm teaching you on the glory of God. Thank God for the manifestation of Shekinah, you know, um, and all the nice things that come with it. If you don't learn this one, you have not learned much. And men who really walked with God, it started with simple things like this. One of the greatest secrets of Abraham's life was that he didn't treat people lightly. If he saw anybody that had the same plans of honor, he would just pursue them, see, let me cook for you, let me, and in so doing, he encountered angels many times. Is that not what the Bible says? That be kind to strangers because in so doing, many have what? I've told you the story of the first time I had like an encounter with an angel manifest in human form, right? That was exactly what happened. We were on a queue to buy food. Food. And because she was elderly, there were three of us on the line, and she was the last. The person selling the food stretched his hand to the back and tried to save her. And the person in front said, can't you see me here? So out of duty, the lady apologized and saved him. When he was done, because I was the second, wanted to save me, I said, no. And that was how the conversation started. Listen, don't forget, when you are reading Luke chapter 24, verse 25, just remember that it was until the end that those men on the road to Emmaus knew they were talking to Jesus. They thought he was just a stranger. And when you read that story, something interesting happened. The Bible says it got to a point, he pretended as if he wanted to go somewhere else. He was waiting for their hospitality. They now said, please, ah, ah, it's dark. Why not come? This is all things being equal. Don't try this in Oshodi. I'm just, you try this with discernment. <laughs> I had to chip that in. All right. But think about what they would have missed. Think about what they would have missed. Are you getting this? So it starts with you know, walking in love, anything we do in this church that is at the expense of the people is rubbish. And so in, in the church at Corinth, they had feasts, the Lord's table. And some people were so much of gluttons, they would just come before everyone, eat, 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 and some people would not have food. Now, he said... What you are eating, that's not the Lord's table. Because you just think it's about duty, that okay, well, yes, 
of eating in church. He said, that's not. Because you didn't descend the Lord's body. So that one you did was for your pocket. God doesn't recognize that. That's where it starts. And one of the big strategies of the enemy is not exactly to get you to go against the word of God in a radical way. He will just introduce lightness. Did God say you should not eat? Ah, ah, it's too deep. You are too deep. It's not like that. See it this way. Let, let's look at it this way. Let's look. That's what the devil does. Trying to get you to rationalize the word. Did God say, ah, ah, no now. You to look at the fruit. Good for your body, good for your body. <laughs> Did God say? Slightness. Let me ask you this. Maybe you have not thought about it before. Which of the temptations of Jesus was an outright sin? Is it a sin to turn stone to bread? Maybe you never thought about it before. You never thought about it before. Think about it well. Is it a sin to turn stone to bread? Answer me. <laughs> you are not sure whether to say yes or no. That's what is happening. It doesn't seem to be a sin, at least, right? It's not all the things we know. It's not murder. It's not lying. It's not stealing. It's not as if they count all the stones in the city, and when one is missing, they say, ah, someone stole one stone in the wilderness. No, it's not stealing. I assure you, if one stone gets missing, nobody will look for it. So why was it a temptation? Why was it a temptation to jump from the pinnacle of the temple? It was a lightness. To do it just because you are the son of God, just for show, just for appetite, the same. So, so when you understand that it is okay to turn water to wine, but it's not okay to turn stone to bread, you are growing. Which is more difficult? Because it's one small stone, just for you. But now, every, in a party, what? Water to wine. It seems like the same. You refuse to jump from the pin pinnacle of the temple, but at the end of your mission on earth, you levitated to the sky. So now, you now understand that even our manifestations are not for show. You get what I'm saying? I must do everything in the will of God, otherwise it's a waste. Everything I do must be relevant in the eyes and in the sight of God. That's what it means to live for the glory of God. That's what it means to live a weighty life, a respectable life, a life that in eternity will be celebrated. If you can just wake up and relocate, you are light. Because everybody is screaming, Jackpa, see, you are light. 
Hallelujah. If you don't have personal respect for your body, you are light. You have to understand. Let me tell you something. At the dedication of the temple, read what Solomon said. He said, we can't build you a house. Some people thought God dwelt in the Old Testament temples, but now he dwells in us. No, he never dwelt there. In Acts 7, Stephen telling the story, he says, God does not dwell in temples made with hands. For as he said, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Which house will you build for me? So Solomon knew it. He said, God, we know you cannot dwell here. All we are asking is this. When people pray from here, answer. It was from that temple that didn't actually really have God dwelling in it. In it. Just had the manifestation of his glory, you know. It was that from that temple they took utensils and God responded to Belteshazzar that way. Then how much more you? So now he's teaching you. He said, what? Know ye not that your body is what? Do you know it's a mentality to build? He says, therefore, glorify God with your mortal body. He says, for you were bought with a price. Now he's teaching you holiness, not just in the moral excellence, but first in the consecration. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Nobody must treat you common, including you. You are not your own. So even you are not allowed to treat yourself in a common way. Hallelujah. But what the devil does is he's going to try to make you light. I wanted to make an analogy. It's still fitting, so I'm still going to use it. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm so hungry, I just want to eat right now. I hope you don't mind if I'm eating while we're talking. You don't mind, right? All right. Thank you. You are so kind. No, don't, don't bring the burger. I want Gary. I want to soak Gary. Some are already begging me. <laughs> now, you know what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Simon, son of Bajona, the devil seeks to have you that he might sift you as wheat. And we know in just basic elementary science what a sieve does. It separates elements of different sizes. So now, in this sieve, when I pour this down, what is going to happen? Shaft is going to remain, right? And then the smaller grains are going to go down. The enemy seeks to have you that, but even though in this case it's the reverse. Here, the weightier part of you is not chaff. That's the true Christian substance. And he wants to take that away until all that you are left with is light. 
See, that's what he does. So you are just light. You have no stamina. You have no, you, 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 you pose no threat to the kingdom of darkness at all. And guess what? You still go to church and he doesn't mind. But some things have happened. Many of the things that happened to you were legitimate. Maybe it's church drama. So some of you now, guess what? I told you yesterday, the opening night, he says, you shall seek me and you shall find me after that you have sought me with the whole of your heart. Do you know it takes a certain level of vulnerability to really encounter God in a gathering like this? But if you have had a lot of church hurt, you can no longer release yourself as you should. Legitimately so, in your own mind. After all, remember in this former church, when I did this, they began to see me finish. You know what the devil has done? And so do, in so doing, your calling has been left dormant, left fallow. The devil is winning. You sacrifice everything to prove a point. I, I, I don't really, you know what? I've seen so many fake men of God. I don't really, right now, I, in fact, I don't really have a pastor. All these miracles, I don't really know. I've seen a lot of fake. I don't really know. I don't know if they are real. See, anything that will not allow you open up your heart to the Lord as you should is the devil at work. Is the devil at work. Let me tell you something. What I'm saying is easier said than done. If you open up your heart, people will stab you. Church people... <laughs> Have you ever confided in a brother before and you heard it on afternoon news? It has not happened to you before. Hallelujah. But guess what? There is no other way to serve God. No other way. No other way. So listen. Camp meetings like this are very important for a reason. They, they reset us. But here is the thing. We guys, we people, we can adapt in a dangerous way. We don't even know how good we are. For instance, you can be so hurt in some areas of your life, you don't want the power of God to touch that area. You don't want the word of God to touch that area, so you just drag it along and you give God the rest of you. So you might be here now. This is your second day in a camp meeting and there are contradictions that you are still holding on to. You still feel normal about it. You, you don't even feel guilty about it anymore. Now, there is someone you have vowed not to forgive. And the hurt is legitimate. So you feel... I mean, I can worship yesterday, today. Lord, just don't touch that. <laughs> you know, as I'm talking now, you're like, oh my God, pastor, don't go there. But we're going there. Yes, we're there already. Yes, Let me tell you something. When we read about hardness of heart, 
is not deeper than that, though. That's what hardness of heart is. Anytime you come to a point where the word of God can no longer influence your, 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 your actions, you are so set in your ways. You and Pharaoh are the same. I'm tell, that's, what, that's how Pharaoh was. Let me tell you something. The hardness is very simple. Okay. Let me tell the story this way. Did you ever wonder how Jonah will go to Nineveh without performing a single miracle? He didn't perform a single miracle. Yet, they believed that he was sent from God and all he said was correct. They all repented, even animals fasted. Have you ever seen a city like that, that everybody repented? Everybody. What kind of nation is that? If it wasn't the Bible, you would likely doubt. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> they had heard the story of Moses in Egypt. And all that God did to Pharaoh. And so when a Jew shows up, It's making sense now. When a Jew shows up in Nineveh and says, God said, ha! The king says, even animals, if you're, no animal must eat. <laughs> but think about it. What was the difference between that king and Pharaoh? Do you know all that drama would have stopped? just with the rod turning to a serpent. Ah, this is the power of God. Even if your magicians do the same, but the rod of Moses swallowed up their rods, that should have been enough. That, ah, all you magicians, go away. See, let me tell you something. The kings in Babylon were like that. When they saw Daniel, they said, ah, an excellent spirit is on you. They retired all the other, all the other false teachers. Excellent. That's all. When you see superior power, accept it. But when you don't accept, and then it keeps getting deeper, deeper, deeper. So when you harden your heart, it gets to a point, a point called reprobacy, where God in tongues hardens your heart more. As they did not retained God in their consciousness. He gave them up to a what? To do things which are not convenient. That's what happened. Pharaoh first had in this. Let me tell you something. Do you know God is so kind to even send Moses? That they were having a conversation. That was the mercy of God. That was Pharaoh's chance. Why did I say so? They had been killing the, Jew, the Jewish children for years. Even Moses was almost killed as a baby. Haven't you read the story? Do you know what it mean, would it have meant to be a Jew at that time? The cries of new mothers would have been, would have been normal. It would have been normal. So you have to understand, before God even sent Moses, what did he tell Moses when he called him? I have heard the cries of my people. They were crying. So it was the mercy of God that Moses would even talk to Pharaoh at all. He should have just sent, if you, if you were God, hey, well, you are all in trouble, you know now. 
Just imagine you were Jesus. You came in flesh. Everything would have ended from the first night. <laughs> that you just open your eye. Where did they born you? You are here, man, man, me, manger. Oh, yeah, all of you salt. Don't do salt. <laughs> just his peace. I'm out of here. You know, you just disappear. <laughs> you know. Or you know some of you how petty you are. You are passing the road. They didn't greet you. Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. But he sweet you when you are reading. He came onto his own. His own did not receive him. That's where it will end for some of you. He didn't receive me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen. This is so important. Allow the word of God touch you. So, treat his word as sacred. Treat the company of the saints as sacred. Treat yourself as sacred. Let me tell you this. Before I make my next point, I want to say this. One of the beautiful things of the Bible, let me tell you, you know one way I know that the Bible is the word of God? It's because of all the vulnerabilities of people that, are, that made it in there. If it was a con man trying to deceive us, they won't put David's mistake. I don't know if that makes sense to you. The fact that you read where Moses made mistake, where David makes, made mistake, where that, they just told the story like that. They left it. And you can learn from it. And so the Bible tells us, Elias was a man subject to like passions as you are. It's so encouraging. When you read about these people, you think they didn't even used to eat. I remember as a, as, as a, as a student, I was in the cafeteria. What I'm telling you, I didn't un understand it initially, but I do now. I was in the cafeteria, and two, I saw two ladies, you know, just nudging themselves. I looked at them. Just, and so I was like, and I said, hi, you know, walk to them. And they started crying. As I walked to them, they were crying. And, I, and I've seen things like that. I thought it was the glory of God. <laughs> <laughs> so... And I went close. They said, ah, we can't believe it's you. You're in the cafeteria, you eat. Ah, ah. <laughs> My mom said, mm-mm. <laughs> no. I used to have their wash plates. <laughs> but here is the point. Throughout the Bible, you see that every man God used was a man that God used. Elias was a man like you. You see, in the book of Acts, I think chapter 14, we see something we don't really see in the church today. People got carried away, started giving Paul and Barnabas silly nicknames, Jupiter, you know, these are gods. This, you, know, you know what they did? They tore their clothes and said, see our flesh, oh, just in case you think, you know, I'm Iron Man and something is powering my chest. I'm a man like you. See my flesh. See my vulnerability. 
I'm a man like you. See, but you know, we don't really have that culture in the church today, you know. Many people think it's a step of faith to hide vulnerability. But I want you to know that every man God used was a man God used. And every temptation that you face, they face too. For God's sake, in the Bible, many of them even made mistakes. And so, in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is defined as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I like to put it this way. Faith is any action that substantiates your hope. It's cute to come in a gathering like this and say, oh, I believe you're coming soon. You know, sing it in songs. But it is from your action. It is when Noah starts building an ark that we will know that indeed rain is coming. Do you understand what I'm saying? So faith is anything that substantiates your hope. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. He refused. And that just tells you about human wisdom. Because logically, some of you would have used sense. Why do I have to fight? I'm Pharaoh's son. Why not just wait till Pharaoh dies? I become Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh will let my people go. Sense, sense. But no. Many people can't understand. They think anything wealth is the will of God. Moses rejected wealth. The fleeting riches of Egypt, which is convenient. Do you know what it means? Your adopted father is the Pharaoh. And then you run away, a fugitive. And then come back defending defenseless people. Saying, let my people go. That was probably part of the reasons Pharaoh said, ah, ah, you. That I was there when they were changing your diaper. See, we die here. And he died. But in Hebrews 11, we see people writing their faith story. By faith, Abel gave. By faith, Moses refused. By faith, Abraham went. Write your faith story. So you now come to Hebrews chapter 12, and it says, seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Ah, for everything God has asked you to do, we have a cloud of witnesses, men who have obeyed God. Men who faced all the temptations you are facing and by the strength of God alone were able to stand. It's a sin. We have so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin that does so easily beset us, even though in context the sin was unbelief, but it works for every type of sin. And that is what I'm talking to you about. About the glory of God about consecration, about renewing your mind. There are weights. Hey, you have to drop some weights for others. He said, take on my yoke. <laughs> I, I like Jesus. Jesus did not paint the idea that Christianity will be easy at all. 
He says, come to me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke, meaning I will exchange <laughs> your yoke with a better one. Not with no yoke, but with a better one. A more worthwhile one. Say loud, amen. amen. So now, there is a heaviness that is needless. And he says, lay aside that weight so that you can run. In this camp meeting, you must. You must. And I started by telling you, you know, the examples of men of God. So you understand, you are not talking to a spirit, a ghost. I know what it's like for someone to tell you, you have to forgive. I know what it's like. I've spoken to people who are in love with the wrong people. And you begin to rationalize. Ah, he's a Muslim boy. He's very nice. Very, you see church boys, they're not as nice as him. Haven't you heard that before? I'm speaking sometimes. It's not every time I say the Lord said there's someone here. <laughs> when, when, don't dodge your bullet. Allow it hit you. <laughs> Let it knock your head. Lay aside every weight. Guess what? A weight is not necessarily sinful. That's what you need to realize. A weight is anything that will not allow you to run. All things are lawful, not all things are expedient. You have to lay aside not just sins, but weights. If it's a distraction, lay it aside. Amen, somebody. It's important that in a camp meeting like this, for the glory of God, you can allow him search through your heart. And anything at all, that is an inconsistency, he can cut it away. Let all the other names fade away. Let all the other names until this let all Jesus take your place my heart is for you alone let every idol fade away right now sing let all the other names Until, until there's only all other names, all the other names fade away. Jesus, take your, Jesus, take your, place. Jesus, take your, place. Jesus, take your place. Sing it one more time. Let all the other names, all the other names fade away. Until, until there's only you, all the other names fade away. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, do your thing. Jesus, do your thing. Let every resistance to his power fade away. 
other names. Let all the other names fade. See, one of the most important things a believer must have and retain is childlike conscience. You have to understand, as long as contradictions linger, you get better at it. That's what Paul described as people's conscience being said by a hot iron. So the first time that stuff happened, you cried mercilessly. But now, See, let me tell you something. In camp meetings like this, hard heart must become flesh again. It doesn't matter if you speak in tongues and they are hearing you in Maraba. You know, this thing I'm saying, you must take the word of God seriously. Take it seriously. Never be found out of the will of God. Never. Don't be comfortable there. I encourage you, don't hide. Don't even ask, allow God to say, where are you? Just report yourself. I'm here. <laughs> don't give excuses. Don't say it's the woman that, mm -mm, I ate it. Are you listening to me? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it is those who are sick that need a who. Don't forget, oh. Let me tell you something. Pretense is very dangerous. And so in camp meetings like this, God will reset us. He's our daddy. He can't throw us away. And we've made a mistake. Daddy, we're sorry. <laughs> Correct us. Correct us. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. You have just five minutes. Did you learn anything? The proof is not just in your response. Some of you, as I'm speaking now, bullets touch you. So, take decisions of consecration now. Say things to the Lord. Say things to the Lord now. Say things to the Lord. What are you going to do with this word? Say things to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you know, when God makes us do things like that, it's because he loves us. He loves us. How many of you, when you were in JS2, you thought you were in love? They were telling you you were a child. You said, no. Ha! That you are sure. Raise, wave at me. Don't lie. Uh -huh. And now when you look back, you're like, ah, ah, I'm mumu. Don't make the same mistake now. So when God says, Yahoo boy is not your husband, listen. Are you listening to me? Mm -hmm. Embrace the Lordship of Christ. Allow him command you. If he can't command you, you don't understand Christianity. You know, there are some cute things we say. I accept you as the Lord of my life. You know how silly that is? If he's Lord, he's Lord. Whether you accept or not. You don't, you just align. 
You think you are giving him a job? He says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. It's not a negotiation. You get in line. <laughs> Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Your spirit in us has helped us to be doers. Break every wall. <laughs> Conquer us. Drag us. Whatever it will take. <laughs> Help us. You've worked with many weak people. See all the mistakes that David made. And he ended up with a great testimony. Help us in Jesus' name. And we declare that by your spirit we are helped of you and we are preserved in your will. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. You see, one of the most important things God ever told me as a young believer is this. He said, when you make a mistake, I will correct you. I felt so loved. And I hope you see the correction of God as the love of God. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.